Welcome to another edition of the Business and Personal Podcast, where we bring you closer to the people you do business with. And we're thrilled today to have Jessica Ravinella on with us. She's the owner of the Therapy Spot. They have locations in Farmington Hills and Troy. Um, just about ready to start their, or celebrate, I should say, their seventh birthday coming up. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're a pediatric therapy clinic. They focus on speech, physical, and occupational therapy. They do all kinds of great things. Services are more needed than ever right now. So Jessica, first of all, thanks for fitting me in and your super tight schedule to tell people about what you do. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Um, yeah, so like you said, we are a pediatric clinic um, offering speech, occupational, and physical therapy. We work with all age ranges from birth to adult, actually. So even though we primarily see pediatrics, we don't cut off at any age. I think this is important because we do occasionally get referrals for adults with sensory processing disorder where um, they don't have anywhere else to go because there really aren't many clinics that are servicing adults. A lot of clinics cut off at you know age 11, age 12. Um, so we always look at, it, is the client comfortable coming into our setting? We won't turn you away. We have the skills to help you. Um, but we see a wide range of patients. We see a lot of patients with autism, sensory processing disorder, you know, speech and language delays, motor delays. Um, and then we get a fair bit of referrals for what I would call behavior problems or regulate emotional regulation difficulties because we use some approaches that are very heavily based um, on building skills and emotional regulation. That's a referral we often get. So those are kids that are otherwise typically developing, but maybe just having a hard time, you know, with tantrums or getting along with their siblings or getting along with their parents. So that's a big piece of what we do too. So tell me a little bit about your background and what ultimately, um, inspired you, I guess, to open the therapy spot? Sure. So I'm an occupational therapist. I have my master's degree in occupational therapy, bachelor's in psychology and human development. Um, I've been practicing, this will be my 10th year. I, we started this therapy spot, like you said, almost seven years ago now. Before that, I was also working in an outpatient pediatric clinic, pretty similar to what we have now. Um, I had been working there for about three years when they decided to close all their outpatient centers rather abruptly within, we had like a four day notice, I think it was. And at that time, myself and my current business partner, Paula, you know, we had, we sat next to each other in the clinic and we had collaborated with the different patients. Um, we looked at each other and we were like, first, where are we gonna work? Because we just lost our jobs. And our patients were looking at us going, where are we gonna go? Because we wanna follow you. Um, so that was really important, I think for us because we realized how important that therapist client uh, relationship is. Um, they didn't want to leave us. They're like, our child is making great progress with you. And it's the relationship that you have there is so important in order to make progress. So we decided at that moment, there was really nothing to lose. Let's try to go out on our own. We have enough patients that want to follow us. We could probably get started in worst case. We can always look for other jobs. Well, that was almost seven years ago. I started in a tiny little office, just the two of us. And now, gosh, I've hired a lot of people in the last th three months. So we're, I think we're up to, uh, 10 to 15, I'm going to give a range because I honestly would have to count right now, um, 10 to 15 therapists between OT, PT, and speech. So we've grown quite a bit, opened a second location. And when we decided to do that, it was really important for us to maintain a couple of principles in the clinic. We wanted to still be a sensory-based clinic and, a, a, and address sensory processing disorders. We really, really wanted to maintain a play-based approach too, which is becoming less common um, with the kind of prevalence of behavioral therapies right now. Um, we do a child-led approach that's very heavily focused on supporting emotional regulation and engagement as foundational skills for all other skills. 
Um, those were really important things. And the parent education piece was also really important. Being able to have a policy in the clinic that says, yes, we want you in the session. We want grandma in the session. We want the sibling in the session. We want anybody in the session that's going to help um, work with this child or be able to carry over things at home. Well, you know, I love hearing that. That has to give you so much confidence when people are coming to you and saying, you tell me where you're going, I'm following you. So I can definitely see where that gave you the confidence to open the business, ultimately open your second location about a year and a half ago. And lo and behold, a pandemic hits, right? Like you, you think you got everything lined up, man, things are going great. I got my second location and uh, uh -huh. have to adjust again. So, uh, but you have adjusted well. So tell me what you've done and maybe some things that are going to carry on. Yeah, sure. Um, that was a huge shift for us, for sure. And we had just opened probably a few months before our second location. So it was a little stressful. Um, but we initially we closed down with the first wave because we really needed to get a handle on what we were dealing with. A lot of our patients are high risk. So we wanted to know what we were getting into. And during that time, we switched over completely to teletherapy. We had never done it before. So there was a huge learning curve, but we started finding that a lot of our patients were actually doing much better than we expected, where we developed a policy of let's just try it and see, because there were kids, even as therapists that I thought this child is not going to do well with teletherapy and they would do phenomenal. So it really helped us shift our focus a bit because um, since parent education and parent involvement is so important, being through a screen, the benefit we found was actually that we were forced as the therapist to coach the parent and the parent was forced to implement the therapy, which is really what we want in the long run, right? So we started seeing huge changes in kids. I mean, kids that had been working on, you know, shoe time with for like a year, were suddenly picking it up because now the parent was the therapist and I was forced to take a coaching seat. And we do that deliberately in the clinic anyways, but it's a lot easier as a therapist to just jump in and implement treatment, right? So um, that's definitely something that we want to keep um, the teletherapy approach. For a lot of kids, it's still not the best option necessarily because we have a lot of equipment and tools available to us in the clinic setting, but it's a great alternative. And for some of our kids, it's great for that carryover because sometimes you work with a patient and um, you find that, you know, they're making great progress in the clinic. It's just not carrying over to home. So being able to have this virtual option where we can essentially insert ourselves into the home environment, um, I think is going to be a great tool ongoing for us. Yeah. And I've had a lot of doctors that I work with that have told me telemedicine saved their business. It helped them stay alive during this year. It's not something they want to have the core of their business because the nothing beats the in-person, right? Sure. But it's a great piece to have. Uh, in addition to everything else going Yeah, forward. yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, what COVID has done to routines of families too. Like, you know, a lot of the parents depend on the schools to create routines for their children. And now all of a sudden they've had to be involved in that. And a lot of the children that you work with, routine is so vital. Um, mm -hmm. And that has been kind of blown up here. So in a way I can imagine the need for your services as gone through the roof here since COVID had kind of explained how that's came about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had an actual increase in referral since we reopened um, back in June after that initial closure. Um, and a lot of it is like kids are really struggling and because we work so much on regulation and um, working within the family dynamics and routines, we're getting a lot of referrals for that very reason. But yeah, a lot of our kids with sensory issues or with autism, they rely so heavily on structure. And I don't think 
some parents really realize until all this happened, how critical that was for their child and how much the school was providing. I always tell parents, it's impossible for you to have the kind of structure at home that a, a teacher has at school, right? Or even that I have in, in my one of my sessions. When they're at school or they're in my session, my only job is your child. When you're at home, you have your child, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you're taking care of bills, you have other children. Now parents are also working from home too. You have too many hats and you can't be good at all of those things at once. So I think that's been a huge learning curve for a lot of our parents is that, you know, they can't supply that structure and how important that is. Um, and just how important the social interaction is too for those kids. And I have to think it's kind of helped with your business model if you're all about collaboration with the family that this hammers that home even more about how the family should be involved in the whole process as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're, um, I think, very motivated as well because they are with their child for a much more time of the day than what they used to be, right? There's not as many events happening where the kids are getting these little breaks from the family. So when you have a child who is having difficult behaviors, that can certainly take a toll on the whole family dynamic. So when you're suddenly like, in the same space for extended periods of time where the siblings are in extended spaces for the um, extended periods of time, it becomes more challenging and really highlights those areas of difficulty for them. Without a doubt. Well, one topic I definitely wanted to talk to you about is autism. And um, you, you see a huge awareness to it. You hear about it more and more and more. You're seeing uh, highly successful athletes uh, and people in other walks of life with autism, proving that you can live a highly successful life with it. So I think Let's first of all, just talk about how much the awareness to autism has helped people that have it. Um, what have you seen over the years in that? Yeah, I, I've definitely seen the awareness increase and especially with situations where, you know, parents have a child where they're just not sure if their child might have autism or not. There's more awareness where the parent is saying, I think they might have autism and being able to seek out a diagnosis sooner. Um, you know, we parents often have that question of should we get diagnosed or not? And I always tell them it really depends on your purpose and what you want to get out of it. For some kids, it's great to help them get access to services. And for some kids, it's great just for the parent to understand what they're, you know, maybe struggling with or, you know, changing their perspective on what things they're seeing in terms of behaviors. But you don't have to have a diagnosis. Like to come see us, for example, you don't need a diagnosis. We will we treat the child and the things that they're struggling with. We don't treat a diagnosis. So um, I think that's been helpful that they're at least aware there's something going on and doctors are talking to um, parents about it more and more and at earlier ages too. They're, I think, doing um, a lot of offices I've heard are doing autism screenings as young as 18 months. So these kids are getting services a lot younger, which is great because when I have older patients who are, you know, nine, 10 years old, the parents always say to me, I wish I would have known what I know now. I wish I could go back to that younger me and say, Hey, this is what's going on. And here's what you need to do, but it's taking these families. And I think that's still true. Even now it's taking a lot of families years to go down a, a road and a journey to figure out where they need to be. So, and, and on that note, like it's, there's still challenges that we face with it and improvements that can be made. So is that one thing that you see is just even more and more awareness so it can be diagnosed earlier? Do you think that's kind of the biggest challenge with it? I think right now our biggest challenge is we need more awareness of alternative therapies. There's a huge push for behavioral approaches. Um, and for some kids, that's great. And, you know, that's wonderful if that works for them. But 
more research is coming out that's showing that's not quite as effective long-term. And there's a huge pushback from the autistic community. A lot of adults with autism are coming out and saying, you know, these behavioral approaches are abusive and they are traumatic. Um, when you focus on a surface behavior and you try to extinguish that behavior, it kind of takes away the focus on why is that behavior happening? So I think we need more education for families and for doctors because the doctors are pushing these approaches as well um, to know that there are other approaches out there that are also well-researched and have great success. Uh, we use one called DIR floor time and it's a play-based model. It's all child-led and it really focuses on building regulation which is a birth to three month skill and engagement which is a two to seven month old skill that a lot of our kids with autism have difficulties with. And until you've really mastered those or at least gained some success in those areas, um, doing any kind of like adult directed task, it would be like me, like taking my, you know, nine month old and sitting them at the table and making them stack blocks, you know, we just wouldn't do it. But for some reason, when we see development happening atypically, we follow the chronological development, which is not really where they're at in it, you know, from a developmental perspective. So I think we need more developmental, emotional-based approaches for these kids and that are offered to them because the big push is you get an autism diagnosis and you're told you have to do behavioral therapy. That's the only way your child's going to progress. And on the flip side, I get kids coming out of those approaches years later, they finally find a play-based approach. And, you know, I had this mom the other day telling me, how do I tell other parents about this? I wasted nine years of my child's life doing these approaches that were not helping him. And I'm finally just now seeing progress that is generalizing across environments. And I'm, you know, I don't know. That's a great question. I think every family kind of has to go through their own journey and figure out where they need to be in the end. But it's unfortunate that they're still um, having to have such a long journey to finding um, different approaches. That's why I have you on this podcast, Jessica, so we can tell people about this. This is all great information. So for you personally in the therapy spot, you're in a growth mode, but I'm sure there's so much more that you want to do. So what are some of the things you're hoping to do and connections you're hoping to make going forward to make an even bigger difference? I mean, a big focus for me, I think, is definitely getting the word out about these play-based approaches. Um, we do quite a bit of education in the community, but I would love to do more. Um, we offer community presentations in our clinic and we offer presentations to local daycares and preschools, um, doctor's offices, we offer them to as well. They don't always take us up on that, but just getting information out there about our services because I really think that from the feedback I get from parents, like I said, is that it takes them years and years of trial and error and word of mouth before they stumble upon us and having it be um, more accessible and more people understanding it a little bit better, I think is kind of where we need to go. Well, on that note, you have a free developmental screening coming up in April. So um, tell our listeners about that and uh, how they can maybe uh, give that a shot. So um, we do actually free developmental screenings year round in the clinic and over the phone. We also have a uh, form on our website that families can fill out and we'll get back to them through phone or email. Basically, a screening is just deciding and help a therapist helping you decide is an evaluation necessary or not, because it can be a process getting set up for an evaluation. And some families just really aren't sure if it's even the right approach or the right fit. Um, but twice a year, because our families are so busy, we offer these services on a Saturday. So this spring on April 17th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., we are offering it in person at our Troy office. 
Uh, we do both in-person and virtual right now because of COVID. So families do have that option if they would rather do a virtual screening, but it's all appointment only. So they'd have to contact their office, but it's basically like a 15 to 20 minute appointment where you get to meet with a therapist. A therapist will do a couple different activities and do a brief screening to help you decide if an evaluation or further evaluation would be helpful. Very nice. And, and for people that are listening to this and thinking they might want to try that, just as quickly as you can, what is different about the therapy spot versus other places out there? What could they get through your company that maybe they couldn't get somewhere else? I think that there's two big things I think that set us apart, actually. I think the one is the parent and family involvement. And obviously with COVID, that looks a little bit different. We're a little bit more limited. Um, but we really push the families, siblings, parents to all be involved in the session as much as possible, because our goal is really to make the parent be the expert in their child in terms of whatever their sensory and you know, emotional regulation kind of needs are. I think that's one big piece. And I think the other big piece is this regulation-based approach that we use, because um, when you're dysregulated, you really can't, fun you can't function well and you can't access higher levels of your brain. So learning isn't really happening when kids are dysregulated. So our philosophy is always to first support regulation. And I think that's definitely different. It's not about compliance, just do what I say when I say. It's about let's help this child have the skills to overcome upsets and to do what they need to do without having an adult constantly having to tell them what to do. So I think um, those two pieces are really important. Very good. Well, what about a success story? I'm sure you could probably go on for an hour of all the different great things you've seen over the years, but are there maybe one or two that stick out to you that you'd like to share? Absolutely. Um, the one that sticks out in my mind um, right now is one of my favorites because it's such a simple thing, um, but it really just goes to show how some of these families, these little successes are so important. So I had a patient who had been through lots of behavioral therapy and was finally just finding this play-based approach. So we've been working on just engagement and motor planning, just figuring out how to like explore our environment and manipulate objects and things like that. Um, so kind of like play that, like a toddler would be doing really, but he was older. Um, we didn't ever work specifically on like buttons or snaps or anything like that, but we were just working within his interest to help him use his muscles basically. And one day his mom came to me and said, he snapped a snap all by himself. She's like, he has never done that. He's nine. He's never done that. I'm like, that's so cool. You know, we've been working on this motor planning and he on his own came up with the idea. He saw the snap on his diaper bag. I think it was, he went over to it and she said for probably 15 minutes, he paid attention to it and he kept problem solving and trying different ways. And then until he finally got it. And the big things for him were that he didn't get frustrated. He didn't give up. He didn't need to ask for help. And he was successful. Those were things that we had been working on, right? Because if you can't regulate through a challenge, you can't persist and then you can't be successful. So to see him implement it in an activity that was so challenging from a motor perspective and required good strength and good coordination was really cool to see. And even cooler to see that we didn't have to work specifically on snaps for him to figure that out. So cool. And you know, if you've had your business for seven years, you probably have a lot of kids that have gotten older now and you can follow their successes. That to me would be one of the coolest things about what you do as the kids get older and seeing them progress into the real yeah. world. So cool. Absolutely. So um, beyond just the free developmental screening that you have coming up, how, if people can't make it to that or whatnot, what is the easiest way for them to reach out to you and learn more and, and maybe become one of your patients? So there's a couple of ways they can do that. Um, we have a contact form on our website, which will send us an email. They can ask questions that way. They can also email, we have an info email address. It's info at therapyspotmi.com. 
which is also listed on our website. Um, they could do that. They can also call either of our offices and talk to somebody. They can always ask to speak to a therapist too, which I think is important because sometimes they just want to talk it through with a therapist and make sure, like I said, that, that they're in the right place, that we're going to be able to provide the therapy that they need because sometimes families just aren't really sure if this is the type of therapy that they need. So um, any of those options would work and then we can walk them through the intake process. Very good. Well, thanks again for coming on, Jessica. Awesome information here. And uh, we look forward to your continued growth through your company. Thanks for having me.